Hello, welcome to a new episode of the Long Ball Premier League Preview Show. I'm John Townsend. And I'm Declan DeBarb. And today we're marching with the Saints as we're going to be talking about Southampton. Hello Saints fans, it's Ed of the John here, just to let you know that we recorded this episode a day prior to Aston Villa coming out of nowhere and signing Danny Ings for £25 million. We do address the possibility of Danny Ings leaving and whether or not Che Adams is ready to step up into his role, but I definitely think that Southampton are going to go after another striker now in the market. If it was up to me, I'd say go after Tammy Abraham because... Well, I feel like you can get him for about that 25 million mark from Chelsea. If not more, maybe around 30, 35 mil. But he's a ready-made replacement for Danny Ings. He's young. He can stay there for, for a while and he can start right into that starting lineup. Even playing at a, as a starting two with Che Adams. But either way, we have a great show for you today. Could be talking a lot about the Saints and my love for one of your centre-backs, Mohamed Salisu. So make sure to stay tuned for that. And I hope you enjoy. First up, we're going to be discussing the fan base mindset, and to help us, we are joined by writer and Saints fanatic, Mark Walker. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. What is the overall feeling among Saints supporters coming into the season? Um, I think it's it's kind of mixed. I think there's always these few fans that go over the top and say, oh, we're going to be in a relegation scrap this season if things don't get off to a good start. But I think any fan that looks at it sort of sensibly along with the signings we're starting to make we'll see that another sort of mid-table finish will be on the cards and if things go really well I can see us grabbing a place in the top half really. And how far do you think that Rav Hasenhutl can take this squad? He's had two seasons where he's been playing some scintillating football but the results have been much the same around mid-table and last season a little bit lower than I think was expected given the red hot start to the season. So where do you think that Ralph Hassenhudel can take this squad? And do you think about mid-table is right? I think at the moment it is, yeah. But as you guys will have seen, and many other fans will have seen, we've had two 9-0 losses. So there's a very fine line in Hassenhudel's football where they can get it really right on a day and record like a, a really big win. But then in those two 9-0 losses, they had players sent off really early on. A small setback like that seems to throw the pressing football that we play out the window, really. But on the way I can see him taking us, obviously I, I don't think he'll be there for, say, 10 years or something stupid. Um, but he'll be... I can see him, him being there for three years, maybe, because... He's obviously a manager that is capable of managing a bigger club in the future. He's sort of proving himself at the moment, I guess. And it was a bit of a coup for us to get him after he managed RB Leipzig. But I think the ultimate goal under him will be to build a team that we can be really proud of again. Not that we haven't been, but, you know, one that can really trouble the big boys in the Premier League. And then the ultimate goal will be either a cup win or returning to European football. At the moment, that's not likely. Like A top-half finish would be great this season, I think. But I think, as I say, the very top will be a cup win for European football by the time he departs. In researching this preview, I remembered last season going into it that Southampton signed Mohamed Salisu, and he was being targeted by, it seemed like, half of Europe last season. And I completely forgot about it because he didn't even get his debut at the club until February. 
And I try to look, correct me if I'm wrong, there wasn't any injury concerns. It was just Hasenhutl not wanting to put him in the squad. And I was really confused by that because I looked at his, his numbers. He is, an, from just strictly the numbers, he's an elite talent. Are Saints fans as in love with, with him as a prospect as I am and kind of wondering why he wasn't in the squad more? Yeah, I, I absolutely think, think they are, yeah. Just on that, he did arrive from Valladolid with an injury that did keep him out until he came into the side, but he had setbacks that weren't really reported in the media. So there was some of our fans were a little bit confused as to why he hadn't appeared until February or, or whenever it was. But yeah, when he came in, we'd had a, a pretty bad run over Christmas um, and sort of dropped from near the top of the league to the well below halfway. Um, yeah, he was just really, really impressive. He's really good physically. He's composed on the ball. And there were some performances where he, he really made a, an impression on, on the fans and on the games that he was playing in. I think we lost away at Spurs 2-1, but he was really impressive that day. He was playing left back although he's naturally a centre-back. He made a really real impression that day. And I think going into this season, he seems to have got his fitness back fully. So he should be a really big part of our club going forward. And now just looking up front, the Saints are in a really interesting predicament. They don't know if they have to plan for Danny Ings leaving. There haven't been any bids for him in from any of the big boys. But in your mind, is Shea Adams ready to lead the front line for the Saints? He had a shaky Euros, but where does he sit among Saints fans? Do you think that he's ready to take that responsibility on for himself? Good question. I wouldn't say he's as good a finisher as Ings at the moment, but there are aspects to his game that really stand out. So, like I say, he's not a natural finisher like Ings. I would say he often finishes chances that are more difficult and then doesn't finish the ones that he should take, although that will come with more Premier League games under his belt. Um, But I think at the moment he's a great partner for someone like Ings up front because he can hold the ball up really well and... He's got a great ability to see a pass as well. So at the moment, he's sort of a creator, if you like. Things will, if he stays at the club, which is maybe 50-50 at the moment. Yeah, he will be the main finisher, but then Adams will be the one sort of creating chances and linking play from the midfield. Southampton's had a history of having a stellar academy. They've brought through the likes of Gareth Bale as the main one comes off the top of a lot of people's mind. But what is one of the more under-the-radar players you could see coming out from the Southampton team and really making a name for himself this season? The one we're all excited about at the moment is Nathan Teller. He's not technically a 100% a Southampton Academy player because he was part of the Arsenal youth system a while back and we we brought him in from them. Um, He's the one that's exciting us at the moment. Um, He's come into the team for a fair few appearances last season um, and he's capable of playing in Hassan Hootel's 4-2-2-2. He's capable of playing as one of the number 10s or as a striker. A couple of pre-season friendlies recently, particularly the one against Cardiff, where he came on as a second-half substitute. Um, He got straight into the game and laid on two brilliant assists for Che Adams. Um, He's definitely the one to watch for this season. Thank you for coming on the show today, Mark. Would you like to let the audience know where they can find you? Uh, Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at mwalkerjourno. And I currently write for fansided site saints marching so saintsmarching.com and i'm hoping to start up my uh, own website as well so maybe stay tuned to my twitter uh, for that as well 
We'll definitely keep an eye on it. Thanks for coming on. Now we move on to We Know What You Did Last Summer, and they did a tiny bit of work. They brought back Theo Walcott. He's coming back to St. Mary's, and he's definitely not the wonder kid that they let go to Arsenal way back in the day, but he can still do a job. Still a decent rotation player, in my opinion, for Premier League outfits. And they also brought in Romain Perot at left back for $11.7 million. And Declan, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about him? I love this signing. I think that he makes a lot of sense for Southampton. They're a team that really focuses on their wide play, especially in the build-up. I'm sure that that's something we'll come on to when we talk about the 11. But Perot... He's a guy who loves to attack. He was one of the best fullbacks in all of League One last season. He had seven assists, the most for a defender. And he was really important to how Brest built up their attack last season. He ranked very highly in shots and shot creation, 1.23 and 2.18 respectively per 90. He's a guy who really loves the ball to feet. And on the other end of the pitch, he's a guy who presses vigorously. I think he fits perfectly into Hassan Hoodle's system. I think he slides right into the starting 11. He's a natural replacement for Ryan Bertrand, much younger, 23 years of age. I love this signing. You know, his defensive work needs a little bit of help. He's not a great tackler. He gives away a lot of fouls, but he has all of the right attributes to be a great defender for Hassan Hoodle, who loves to press, especially high up the pitch. He's a very good guy when it comes to attacking the opposition box, generating offense and coming at it that way. And I think for Hassan Hoodle, that's really what's important at the end of the day, a player who can generate offensively and then have defensive attributes to work on because Southampton defend rather centrally, but also higher up the pitch. So a player like Perot, I think that he's going to have an explosion of a season and will be one of the best left backs in the league if he can perform to the level that he did at Brest. He honestly sounds like the perfect left back for a Hassan Hutel system, because as you mentioned, Hassan Hutel loves to have his side pressing all game, a very aggressive defensive coach in that respect. And if he has the ability to do that all game, then he'll fit right into the squad in a pretty big hole in their squad at the moment. As I said, they let Ryan Bertrand go for free to Leicester. And they also let Angus Gunn walk for 5.27 mil and Mario Lamina for 4.7 mil. Really got really have to eat some crow for Lamina because I really thought he was going to be a good central midfielder for for the Saints, but he just never really he never fit in fully to this offense. It's actually funny because when he came in, I also really liked uh, Gabbiadini, who they brought in at the uh, transfer deadline. I remember he had a few games where he bagged a few goals, but just never got it going for the for the Saints. All in all, tiny business. They brought in 9.97 million and they only spent 16.7 million. That's for a net loss of 6.73 mil. Overall, good spending by Southampton. Looking at the other signing that they brought in for money, Tino Livermento, they brought him in from Chelsea and Declan. Would you like to let the audience know about him? Another great signing, I think. Um, more help on the wing. He can play right or left back. A very traditional wing back, a guy who has a great engine and the Chelsea Academy prospect comes in with a lot of high praise. There was interest from other Premier League squads. He almost joined Brighton, but the move hijacked by the Saints. Villa, the other team interested, as well as Milan and RB Leipzig. So this guy comes in with some high pedigree. Chelsea do have a 25 million buyback clause in their contract. So that really hurts the Saints if he goes on to have the career that I think a lot of close watchers of this guy think that he can. He's very versatile, can cover the left and the right wing, good on both feet, and he was the Chelsea Academy player of the season this season. What's very strange to me is that Chelsea didn't try and renew him. He was on the last year of his contract. So Southampton was able to get him for fairly cheap, only £5 million, as you say. And I don't think that he will slide right into the starting lineup 
but a guy who by the end of the season will definitely be putting in some minutes as Kyle Walker Peters and Perot get tired given the length of the season. A guy who I can see picking up some solid minutes and making some solid impacts for this team. And especially picking up the player of the season at the Chelsea Academy, this is an academy who has tons of talent in it. So the fact that he won the player of the season, that's a massive bonus for Saints fans looking at him as someone who's going to be coming into the squad. And that right back position is really interesting to me with Southampton because they have Kyle Walker-Peters in at right back right now, who is a really, really good, promising young fullback who I really rate. I think he is one of the best young fullbacks on a... Premier League team that's not exactly pushing for the top half of the table, but could definitely be poached by a bigger club. I hate to say it for Saints fans, but he is someone who could really burst onto the scene and has the ability to burst onto the scene with given more game time. But they also have Jan Valerie, who's another right back they have in the squad. He may get given some game time. I don't think he has the same amount of defensive intensity or also attacking intensity as Hasenhul toward one in the side. But he's another promising right back. And now bringing in Tino, they have three promising young right backs. They're really stockpiling that position. One thing to keep in mind, Tino can play on the left. And I assume he will. He was brought in to play on the left this season, given Perot is really there only option on the left so the versatility is good i see him playing mainly on the left but it definitely gives them an option on the right as well and now moving on to southampton's xi it's going to be kind of interesting how he sets up who's getting that left back spot that bertrand left open and who's going to be filling in on the wings because they have four wingers that they kind of rotated through last season between musa Janapo, stuart armstrong nathan redmond and theo walcott it's going to be interesting to see which two Hassan Hussler sticks with to start the season. But looking at it now, assuming Ings is staying because no big club has come in for him, and even though he's wanting out, unless he gets sold, it looks like their starting lineup right now is going to be Adams and Ings in a 4-2-2-2. Adams and Ings up top, Redmond, Armstrong on the wing, Oyo Romeo and James Ward-Prowse in the midfield. And then from left back to right back, it's going to probably go Perot, Benderak, Vastegard, and Walker-Peters, and then McCarthy and Nett. We just spoke about the fullback situation with how interchangeable that is between Tino, Perot, Walker-Peters, Valerie. They have tons of options there. I'm really interested about what they do at center back because we'll talk more about Mohamed Salisu in the Wonder Kid watch, but they have three Premier League capable more than capable, three top-flight Premier League-capable centre-backs in this team that I really love. Mm -hmm. I assume they will go with Vestergaard, who had a very good Euros, and Bednarak, who was their main starting two last season, though Selesu definitely deserves a shout in this squad. He deserves to have the ability to prove himself, but Hassan Hudo has to go on form, and Bednarak and Vestergaard are their form centre-backs. They're the best two in this team, they have a good partnership. They have a good understanding with each other as well. And I think that that's very important. So Leisu definitely deserves his opportunity to fight, but he needs to earn that spot. Definitely. This team looks like it's going to be very sturdy from the back as well. And especially if you're a side that could be dealing with relegation, they finished 15th last, last year. So they're going to be in and around that ballpark if they don't drastically improve this year. You need to have either a, a stunning, blistering offense or a rock-solid defense. You can't have neither. Ask Norwich how that went a few seasons ago. You have to have one guarantee each and every week that one side is going to show up. And it looks like this defense could be that side showing up. I would I would much more bet on the offense. I think that they have the players to have a very good defense, but Hassan Hoodle's side is always a little bit fly-by-your-waist, fly-by-your-pants. So 
they have the players to definitely have a good defense, but I think that their midfield is a little bit unbalanced and that's where they lose it. Ward Prowse and Romeo are both, while not entirely offensive minded, more offensively minded than they are defensively minded. Um, midfielders as well as their left back and right back who love to push up the pitch. So in reality, most counterattacks that come the other way, because once you get through Southampton's press, it kind of unraveled for them last season. You're running at three, four guys with either Perot or Walker Peters hanging back as the other one pushes forward. So this squad has lightning fast offense, and that's what we should look for. I think defensively, it's a little bit more suspect, even though they have the players to be quality. Mm. And in that, I think the main issue is the midfield and the midfield quality. Also, McCarthy, I'm not entirely sold on him as a goalkeeper, but he's solid. It's a C plus in net. You know, man, you don't... He's solid and he's good with his feet, which is very important for Hassan Hoodle's system. Really, the, the idea of Hassan Hoodle's system, and it's very unique in the way that it works. They're very patient, which you wouldn't assume for a very high pressing side. But once they get the ball, they like to recycle play around the back, pass it back and forth, pass it back and forth, wait for that opening for a long ball to send it up down the flank so they can then overload the boxes with their wingers or their midfielders showing up late and try and look for those crosses or those pullbacks. So I think that offensively, they have blistering pace, but defensively, they also need to be able to play the ball. And that's what they have in Bednarak, Vestergaard, McCarthy, and then the two wingbacks. But now looking at their offense, which I'm getting the feeling, Declan, you're really itching to talk about. What's your opinion on the Che Adams-Ings debate of if Ings does leave, can Che Adams fill those boots? And if they both stay, how must-watch is the Saints offense going to be? I think it'll depend on if they click. Ings lit up the Premier League last season. I think that we can all agree on that. There's a reason he was getting talked about a move back to Liverpool or to Manchester City. But the combination between him and Che Adams is outstanding, and it makes both players better, I think. Adams has a lot of the qualities that Ings doesn't, and Ings has a lot of the qualities that Shea Adams doesn't. Ings is a much more clinical finisher, where Adams loves the spectacular. He's able to put those balls in that you don't think would exactly come in. He has more pace than Danny Ings does Shea Adams. So I think that partnership really complements each other, and they both get the best out of each other as well. But now let's move on to Wonder Kid Watch, and we've previewed him a tiny bit. I'm itching to talk about Mohamed Salisu. Now, knowing that that Hassan Hutu wants ball-playing centre-backs, I am perplexed and puzzled to why the hell they signed Salisu, because if the, the one flaw in his game, he is not the best with his feet. He is an old-school centre-back in that respect, but everything else in his game is, is incredible. He is like Van Dyke without the without the feet, where if you're looking for a laugh, go on his football reference page. His defensive numbers, 87th percentile in pressures, 96th percentile in tackles, 99th percentile in interceptions, 91st percentile in blocks, 95th percentile in clearances, and 97th percentile in aerial wins. He is a beast defensively. He had half of Europe chasing after him last season, and he did arrive with a bit of an injury, but it really feels like Hasenhold have kept him out of the squad for a ton of time. And maybe that could just be because he's looking at him going, yes, he is incredible, but he can use his feet. And that's that's more important than however incredible he is. Without that, he needs to be able to use his feet. And so I'd say, why would they sign Salisu in the first place? This is going to the store, wanting to get orange juice and instead getting pomegranate juice. Pomegranate juice is fine, but that's not what you went for. I think that's a great analogy, but what really strikes me there is 
his aerial duels one. He is a beast in the air. And that is really central to how Southampton both attack and defend. I think it makes them more of a threat, both from set pieces, but what Southampton do when they defend, they force players into kicking the ball long. They have a really high press that forces them long. And then they trust their defensive line and their midfielders to win those aerial duels. And you see how good Salesu was last season in terms of his per 90s for aerial duels one. And that just lights Hassan Hoodle's mind. He's also a great talent. So it's not like there's not time for him to develop. And I do agree that he was probably working to improve in the areas that Hassan Hoodle really wanted him to. And he didn't have the healthiest of seasons last year. It allows him to build back stronger and it gives Southampton a different look. Maybe they want, they do want to go to three at the back and change that up. But for me, I think that Salesu will feature a lot more this season. It's just a matter of how well he fits into the system that Hassan Hoodle is building for this Southampton team. Hopefully he does feature because out of all the Wonder Kids we've talked about this preview, and we've talked about a lot, I'm the most excited about him than I am anybody else. I think he could be a top five center back in the world at his peak. I think this guy, I was begging United to sign him last season. Somehow Southampton came away with a signature, and I can't even say this, I actually think he's so good, they need to change the system in order to fit him in. Whether it's changing to a back three and have it sticking him right in the middle between them, Maybe that could work, but he is his talent, his potential is so good. This is this is the best center back, potentially wise, best center back since Van Dyke for Southampton. And I I'm praying for him to get more game time this season. And now moving on to our final segment, stoppage time. This is gonna be a rapid fire prediction round where we each get 60 seconds to enter as many prompts as possible. And Declan, you up first. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two. One, finishing position. Mid-table. Top scorer. Shea Adams. Top assister. Perot. Standout performer. Perot. Breakthrough prospect. Livermento. Call your shot. Southampton are going to get beaten 9-0 again. It seems like it has to happen every year. It's a rule, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully it's Man United again. And the Contina. Oriol Romeo. And time. 40 seconds on the dot. Well done. And John, are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Finishing position. Relegation battle. Ooh, that's harsh. Top score. I want the best for Salisu, but relegation battle and top score is gonna be Danny Ings, if he stays, if he's gone, Adams. So Danny Ings, top assister. Top assister is going to be Ward Prowse. Standout performer. Salisu. Breakthrough prospect. Oh, this is tough. I'm going to go Tino. How do you call Salisu both the standout performer, but not also breakthrough prospect? It's because Salisu's older than Tino, and I I want the name someone else. I'm wanting to give some variety to the listeners. Okay, call your shot. Call my shot. It's going to be a Theo Walcott comeback season. And the Cantona. The Cantona is going to go to Romeo. Boom. 58 seconds. Even with all that waffling. <laughs> I always like to just slide it in there right underneath. And that's going to do it for the show today. Make sure you check out another show we posted all about North City. And stay tuned as tomorrow we're going to be talking about Tottenham Hotspur and Watford. So you won't want to miss that. 
Make sure you keep an eye on the Mastermind website for all your tactical breakdowns and great articles ahead of the season. If you're enjoying this podcast, give us a five-star rating as it really helps grow the show. And thank you for listening.